Episode seven of the Glass of Joe podcast is here, and it's a little bit different than the first six. Joined, as always, by my partner, PJ Glasser. I'm Joe Malfa, and we usually bring in our guest in the middle of the episode, but we've got our incredible guest this week right out of the gates. He is the man for all things Washington Wizards over at NBC Sports Washington, Chris Miller. C. Mills, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us. No problem, guys. Anytime. I'm hanging in there. Hope you guys are doing well. The last time I saw you was was about – like end of January before I moved down to my other job and you, you didn't have this beard going on. How, how is that your quarantine project? Yeah, I think I'm going to keep it too. Uh, I'm a little bit different since uh, <laughs> May the 12th, uh, March the 12th. Um, obviously what's going on with COVID and what's, you know, the sickness that is, you know, racism in our country. I've decided that, uh, you know, this is going to be kind of a new me moving forward, man. I'm keeping my beard. I like it. I like or it. Until yeah. my, or until my wife says, get rid of it. <laughs> You've been uh, working on those dance moves, too. you become a professional TikToker with the kids, man. Yeah, that was, uh, was kind of fun, just kind of connecting with my kids on a different level. Uh, I haven't done it recently just because, you know, I just don't really kind of feel like dancing with everything that's going on. But I, I think I'll get back to it eventually. Uh, but it was something different, right? My daughter kind of challenged me to it, and I was like, well – Maybe you didn't notice about your dad, but he's got a little bit of rhythm. So yeah. it was, uh, it was actually fun to do at the time. I appreciate you asking about it. There you go. If everything goes well, and I say that because there's still a lot of balls up in the air right now that still need to be juggled properly. Uh, but if everything goes well, how excited are you for basketball to start up again? I'm concerned more than excited because I just don't know what this bubble is really going to entail. I don't know what it looks like. Um, you know, these practice facilities are being shut down as we speak, guys. The latest one is the Miami Heat, where these guys aren't even going through five-on-zero workouts. They haven't even done five-on-five. And yet these facilities are being shut down because of COVID. So to be real honest with you, um, I'm concerned. And until the 22 teams get down there and they actually go through working out, scrimmaging, I'm interested to see what kind of the numbers look like in terms of positive testing. And I think that kind of needs to be at the forefront as I know a lot of fans are excited, right? They want to get back to see the games, but I'm more concerned about player safety. And until we can get this, this COVID under control, I mean, we're seeing these numbers going elevated to, higher numbers than they were when they kind of hit their peak about a month, you know, a couple, month and a half ago. Talk about player safety. I want to ask you a couple Wizards questions. First one being about John Wall. Do you think with just everything going on, the uncertainty, you think the team's making the right move, resting him and hoping that he fully recovers for next season? You know, PJ, I think the most important thing is next year, right? This is great that the Wizards find themselves in this position where despite the injuries and despite the record, they kind of find themselves in this position where they can do two things at once. And I've been talking about this recently where, you know, barring any, you know, COVID cases, they can develop young players while also still trying to go for this playoff spot, considering what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets and feeling like half of their team is not available. Right. Um, And how many games that they're ahead of Washington this is an opportunity for these guys to continue to develop the young players and still have an all NBA type player, Bradley Beal, in my opinion, that if he decides he wants to play, you know, there's still all NBA out there in Brad's future. And I think an opportunity to go down to Orlando, if his mind is in that space, uh, he can really go down there. I think and do some damage and give the wizards that chance to 
get into the playoffs. And, you know, you get in, you might be playing Milwaukee, okay, best team in the league before right. the pandemic hit. But the reality is if I asked you guys before the season started that the Wizards would have a chance to make the playoffs, I don't think anybody would have been like, yeah, that's really going to happen. So exactly. it really kind of speaks to the circumstances in which they find themselves. And there was some improved play towards the end of before COVID hit. So uh, kind of to answer your question, they really can do two things at once, depending on, again, this is really up to Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal is that dynamic of a player. Well, if he goes down there, again, in the right mind frame uh, to bring along the young players, they have a chance to do something special down there. It's funny you bring that up because that was going to be my next question is even if Beal doesn't play with the news coming out about the Nets, do you think they still have enough to make up those two games to force that eight, nine playing game and make it? Yeah. It, again, I think everybody looks different now, PJ. I don't, I don't, I, I've been saying this that I don't think the Lakers, I don't think the Clippers, I don't think Milwaukee, I don't think any of these teams are the favorites. I think this is going to take on, um, I think it's going to take on a, different kind of uh, storyline now because they've been gone for so long. I mean, this has been the equivalent of a, a complete off season that these players have been away from the game. So right. I just can't think like, well, the Lakers are just going to show up again. And yes, they have LeBron. Yes, they have AD. Yes, they've acquired J.R. Smith. But to put all of that together and give them some time, you know, to work out, fly down to Orlando, all of these things are going to look completely different. And I think that's why the Wizards is a team, you know, maybe these young players have developed. I mean, we were on a conference call today with Rory Hachimura talking about him, you know, adding 10 pounds of muscle into his game. Troy Brown Jr. has dropped 6% body fat. So Thomas Bryant has abs. I mean, there's all these things <laughs> that these players have talked about that they've been doing, but mm -hmm. we won't know until they get down there. And again, that's the reason why I kind of couched my expectation is because once they get down to Orlando, then I feel like business will pick up and then we'll really start to figure out who's who down there. Of course. And when the schedule came out for the restart, uh, my mind, and I think the minds of a lot of people, went immediately to AAU because you look at that schedule and you got a game at 1 o'clock, a game at 2.33 and, and so on. What do you think the dynamic, that whole dynamic is going to do for viewership with essentially a standalone game on at a time for the better part of two weeks? I was literally laughing a couple of weeks ago with Ish Smith and I've talked to Brad about this and I said, Hey man, get your mindset into going back to what it was like when you showed up in your slides, right? <laughs> and you walk into the gym with your backpack on and you know, they had about, you know, you know, four courts going and you walk in there and you look and you see, Hey, there's Chris Paul getting some bump right now, or there's LeBron over there or Mellows over there. And you just remember when you played what it was like when you walked in that packed gym, right? right? Well, it won't be packed in terms of fans, but you still get the mindset of it's kind of like an all AAU all over again. So it's kind of like they're repeating their youth. Um, and I think that's probably the best mindset to have because if you go in there thinking, you know, I just don't really want to be here, but I'm here just so I get my money. I mean, that's kind of like the mentality that you should have, right? And then, so I feel like, you know, and Ish and Brad laughed. They're like, yeah, man, I, I remember when I used to have my slides on and my, my ankles were taped. And, you know, we walk into the gym. I'm like, all right, who we got today? And you're seeing the run before you play. So uh, that, that might be kind of like the cool part of it. I wish I could be down there just for that part of it, just to see what it would be like when these guys enter the arena. I'm looking forward to I know the NBA and ESPN have, have mentioned that they're doing like a sort of behind-the-scenes documentary about it. 
if everything goes well, I'm curious to see that because there's going to be a lot of fun little little tidbits like that. PJ and I talked about it a couple of weeks, almost like the the whole Little League World Series vibe we get every year, where they show the kids like playing ping pong back in the little village. So that's that's something I'm looking forward to see. But getting into some of the predictions and previews now, uh, the, you, you touched on it before. The teams that we regarded as favorites pre-pandemic, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, and so on, are those still the teams that most people you think will be rolling with? Or, you, or as the time goes, you think you're going to see a lot of people picking upsets? Yeah, I feel like these, uh, what are they calling them, seeding games, I mm. think will tell a lot about where some of these teams are. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, my mind kind of goes towards the Houston Rockets. And the only reason why I say that is their style is completely different than everybody else's, right? So you've got – you have a choice to make when you play Houston. Do you want to play their style or do you want to go big and just pound them on the, on the backboards? It's your choice, right? But more times than not, I think psychologically these teams go into games against Houston, at least when they started this towards uh, before the season ended. And they'd be like, wait a minute, PJ Tucker's playing center. He's like six, five. Oh, well shoot. I'm going to go out and guard him on those corner threes. Well, you know what happens when that happens. He either hits it, or it opens up a lane for somebody to get in the paint. We all know Houston's system. It's paint points and threes. That's all they live. If you do something out of that, you're coming out, right? So their style is different than every other team, and I think that's what makes them a more intriguing group, and especially if they get some more time together when they have this, if you're 6'6 six, six and over, uh, no thank you, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I was talking to Jeff Green earlier um, on a podcast that I was doing and I was like, you know, you're like one of the biggest guys on the team, but we know Jeff Green's versatility when he was here with the Wizards, really he can play, you know, multiple positions. Um, and he was really excited about, you know, the opportunity to go down to Houston after getting waived by Utah to play in that style because it's just so different. Do you think that the long layoff will almost close the gap a little bit? Those young teams, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the magic of the world, do you think they can close that gap with some of the the high, the best teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, or you think that the, the higher teams will roll through those lower seeded teams? You know, it just depends. Again, PJ, I'm just I'm just I'm so curious to see what it looks like when they get down there. What these guys are, you know, we saw the picture of Zion yesterday. Yeah. Oh my God, you know, he looks incredible. He looked like, like I mean, he looked like Bane. I mean, he looked <laughs> like Bane. He was he was like a mix between Bane and Thanos. Right? Yeah. You're just like. <laughs> You see him, you're like, oh, my God, this guy hasn't been eating gumbo. This guy's been <laughs> in the lab, right? But I, I still think LeBron has that ability to carry a team, regardless of this being, I think, this is 17th season. Um, the Clippers, to me, I thought was the favorites before the season started. I love their two-way players. Uh, Kawhi and PG together uh, is special. And then the fact that you've got these – I hate to call them role players because it's not fair, but you've got some guys that – really embrace their roles, right? Montrez, Sweet Lou can get a bucket. You know, the fact that they got, um, you know, Markeith Morris to join and his toughness. and It's just a tough team. Um, the Celtics have uh, wing players that are dynamic, although Gordon Haywood today said, you know, when that fourth child is born, he's out. You know what I mean? So where does that happen? Where is the – when the baby comes, what happens in terms of the scheduling? But – the fact that Jason Tatum, who I've been, who I've told, been told that uh, he's took it up another level, which is scary because he's 21 and he was already really good. Yeah. And Jalen Brown, I've always been a fan of his. So Boston is in the mix. 
Um, the X factor is Philly. If Embiid uh, has dropped the LBs and if he's motivated. And, oh, by the way, we we're talking about how Zion looked. Ben Simmons, to me, is the incredible Hulk. He looks amazing, right? So there's so many factors. Oh, and I totally – I apologize to the Toronto – the reigning defending yes. NBA champs. They're right? so forgotten about. It's incredible. It's so unfair, and it's not just because they're in Toronto. It's like when your best player leaves yeah. and people kind of forget that Pascal Siakam is really good and their group is still together. They just lost you know, their best player. Toronto's in the mix also. The fact that they've already started the bubble process of being down in Fort Myers already as a team, they've been down there. So they've already been quarantined. They already, as a unit, I think they've got a, a head start over everyone else in terms of what this new normal looks like down in Florida. So, you know, to answer your question, I think there's just a lot of factors that leads to it. I think the favorites, they could still be the favorites. But if the Pelicans, they're scary to me because of Zion and the fact that, you know, they have Redick and they have Ball and they have Drew Holiday and they have so many pieces that they could give one of those top seeds some trouble. Interesting. Now, obviously there won't be any fans. These teams won't be playing in their own arenas. Guys will have the opportunity to watch each other like we're talking about. And these teams will be playing so many games in a short amount of time. So what aspect of the Orlando bubble intrigues you the most personally? Load management. <laughs> like, like, okay. So every team is required to play one back-to-back. Okay, so every team will play, you know, one of them. Right. Uh, how do the uh, contending teams manage their stars is something that I'm curious to watch. And for a team like Washington, if Bradley does play, how do you manage him on back-to-backs? Because, again, while I understand why they're going down there, my focus is next year. Mm-hmm. John's back. And the last thing you need is for there to be a significant injury to somebody else. Like when the Wizards roll the ball out next year, me, as I'm thinking, is this is a top four team in the East. Okay. So I, the last thing you need is for something to happen down there in Orlando. And what's going to happen with Wizards fans, guys? What's the first thing that they're going to say? Well, why the hell were you down there? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm, I, I'm really focused on next year, but I understand why they're going down there. And I feel like, well, since you're down there, you might as well go down there and compete. And now we usually do a segment that we like to call the Swift Seven with our guests. Seven rapid-fire questions. Uh, but we're going to amend that to a little bit this week. I'm going to give you seven questions about the East. PJ is going to give you seven about the West so we kind of get a better picture of, of how you're viewing the, the title restart. Uh, the title race in this restart, excuse me. Uh, so, so question one, uh, the team in the East you're most looking forward to watching during the restart? Toronto. Toronto. Coach under the most pressure? This could be East or West or just the East? Just All the seven East. of these are the East. Brett Brown. That's, that's an, I, I thought that was an easy one. A player in the East not named Giannis who could have the biggest impact on the postseason? Pascal Siakam. Biggest threat to the Bucks. Boston. What? We'll continue with the other few in a second, but one that just popped into my mind. Uh, you mentioned Philly before, and, and we know how bad they were on the road this year. Everything is a neutral site. 
and you mentioned how, how Ben Simmons looks now. Do you think that they're in a better spot than like that this whole pause almost was to their benefit? Depends on what Joel Embiid looks like. He's the X factor. Um, probably the biggest X factor for any player on any team because when he is good, he's a problem. But when he's disengaged, he's a problem for his teammates. Now, sleeper team to watch out for in the East. Orlando. East matchup that you most want to see, and this could be at any point of the playoffs, not necessarily in round one. Um, Milwaukee, (laughs) Toronto. And now last one for the East. What's your Eastern Conference final matchup prediction, and who do you like to come out of the East? Depending on how, again, how these teams look once they get down to the bubble, uh, I am really excited to see Milwaukee and Toronto Hmm. because I think there's some – Bad blood still left over. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think there's some – you know, when we see you again, there could be but, some smoke, right? You want to finish business for the Bucks? Absolutely. I think it's I think it's the Bucks v Toronto, and now, I think Toronto wins it. Wow. I like that. Okay, very nice. All right, now the West. Uh, number one team who can be the biggest threat to the Lakers and the Clippers. Houston. Co-star more important to their team: Anthony Davis to the Lakers or Paul George to the Clippers? Paul George. Sleeper team to watch out for in the West. New Orleans Pelicans. Okay. Now, I wanted to touch on Utah a little bit. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, do you think they've kind of <laughs> amended that relationship a little bit? Because I feel like they could surprise maybe some people in the West, but if they're not clicking, they have no chance. Hell no. <laughs> hey, man, listen. Oh, I've always said this about people. Their first reaction is their real reaction. And when the reports came out about there being some um, some issues between the two of them because of the COVID and how, you know, obviously Donovan contract allegedly contracted it, I was like, uh-oh, that's not good. Yeah. So what happens is in this business, guys, and you'll see this, is it's funny to me when the statements come out after the truth was told, right? So the reports came out that Donovan was feeling some type of way. Right. Then all of a sudden the subsequent statements and press conferences come out of that to kind of like take us off the scent. Mm-hmm. I want them old dogs. The original scent was the main scent. Yep. And I just don't see them being a factor. I, I think that that could end up being a divorce between mm-hmm. you know one of those two players. Who do you see grabbing the eight and nine seeds in the West? It's so jumbled up right now. Memphis has a three and a half game lead in the eighth spot. And then the Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, Suns, all right there. If Trevor Ariza was still with Portland, he opted out. Obviously, you know, he has his son that, you know, he's, he's got custody of during that month. I would have thought Portland could have been – the nine seed. I'm going to go Memphis, New Orleans. Okay. What's That's the, the matchup I think everybody wants, too, is yes. Zion and Ja for the chance to go play against the Broncos. No doubt. Yeah. And What's I think the- that would be the rookie of the year. Um, I think Ja won it. It's just me personally, just because, you know, of his, his time in the league, right? He basically played really all season. Zion kind of came on late, but I think Zion, uh, Ja's body of work will ultimately lead him to get rookie of the year. 
What's the matchup in the West you most want to see that wouldn't be Lakers Clippers? So oh, it can it can that's involve. That's the easy one. We can't make it that easy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Lakers Clippers. Oh. It can involve the Lakers and the Clippers, just not those two teams. I think the Houston Lakers matchup would be interesting because it goes back to what I was saying before. Like, will the Lakers stay disciplined mm-hmm. and just go big and pound them on the glass and just beat them up in paint points? Or does Anthony Davis start jacking threes, LeBron start getting into that too, and everybody wanting to play Houston style? Houston can seduce you into that style because when they start launching – you know, threes, and they've hit already like six in the first quarter, all of a sudden teams are going to be like, oh, we got to match that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think Houston v. Lakers would be interesting. All right, so your team's down one with 10 seconds left. You could have your pick of any player in the West. Who would you want taking that final shot? Kawhi Leonard. Okay. What would be be like your top three? What would be your top three in the West? I would go – Kawhi, who, Damian Lillard. Actually, let me flip that. Shoot, Dave <laughs> yeah. hit like a Dave thirty-seven footer. Whatever that closed, was that closed the show shot he hit against uh, Houston. Uh, was that he? No, no, it's uh, OKC. OKC. Yeah. Uh, that that one was. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Let me go, Dave Lillard. <laughs> let me go, Dave Lillard. Kawhi. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Dame Kawhi. Paul George, my guy Peachy. Okay. Go. I so think we're on the same team, though, so who takes that yes. shot? Oh, yeah. good question. Um, that's a tough one. I <laughs> think Paul's going to let Kawhi take it. I agree. Interesting. I mean, that shot Kawhi hit against Philly is still yeah. one of the just – I mean, you couldn't have written a better – like, imagine if I told you guys, like, in Hollywood, we're going to do a basketball story. And the last scene is a player hitting a shot like that, and it bounces around like yeah. this, and it goes in. I mean, Hollywood producers would be like, man, get out of here, man. Yeah, in a game seven, no less. You know, it's not seven, like five yeah. or six crazy. And then kind of his it, emotion and kind of seeing Joel's emotion, too, was yeah. just like that was Hollywood. And then what's your Western Conference final matchup, and who do you have advancing in the finals? Now you can say Lakers, Lakers, Lakers if you want. There you go. Yeah, Clippers, <laughs> Lakers, and I got Clippers winning. Um, the reason why, and I've been saying this all along, is when you get two dynamic two-way players that their games mesh the way that Kawhi and Pauls did before the pandemic, um, they're going to give everybody fits. Because what happens is you can actually take turns on guarding LeBron. Like, what normally happens when you face LeBron? you got to find one guy, like Andre Iguodala was the guy. They're like, Iggy, you got to get Bron. Well, now... PG and Kawhi don't have to just be like exclusively on LeBron, right? And now you've also got, you know, Montrez Harrell that can do it. Uh, you've got Markeith Morris that can do it. You've got all these bodies that you can throw at LeBron. LBJ is going to be – he's going to put up his numbers, right? Sure. But, but alleviating the stress of having to guard him like the entire game is the reason why I think the Clippers will have the advantage in that series. My question in that series, and my brother is – a hardcore LeBron fan, so we, we always debate about it. My question in that in the Lakers series against the Clippers 
if that were to be the case, is who's on AD, though? Because they've got the matchup for LeBron, but I don't know that they have like a natural fit who can shut down AD or you can see AD going off more than LeBron. I think it's Montrez. I think Montrez has that dog in him. By the way, totally forgot Pat Bev is still on their team. True, so yeah. he's kind of like the heart and soul of that team. So he could get into LeBron also. And then that would kind of then open up uh, someone else guarding AD. So, again, when you have a team like the Clippers that have multiple defensive-minded players who take great pride in it, I think that's what's going to be kind of the differentiator between them and this Lakers team that's now adding J.R. Smith, which I just <laughs> I just laugh every time I see that this guy is getting a job. And I'm just like – As long as he looks at the scoreboard this time. Yes. As right. long as he looks at the scoreboard. So every time I see him now, I think time and situation, Jr. Know the time, know the situation. Do you have a timeout? Okay. Uh, but this Lakers team has a lot of uh, interesting pieces. But I would say Clippers would beat the Lakers, and then I got the Clippers beating Toronto. And I was just going to ask you, I got two final questions before PJ gets to his trivia question that he likes to end every, uh, every interview with. Uh, in that Clippers-Raptors series, uh, just take us through how that matchup goes for you and why you pay the Clippers. I think Kawhi has what I call corporate knowledge. He knows a lot <laughs> about Toronto, right? He knows where all the bodies are buried, right? He knows all the plays, uh, and that's kind of like the differentiator, I think, in a series like that. Uh, I think Nick Nurse has done a terrific job with that team taking over for Dwayne Casey, but Pascal Siakam uh, has elevated his game, right? And to see those two kind of go at it, I won't even call it teacher versus student because Pascal has been really good even before Kawhi got there, but to see those two kind of just, you know, these two bulls meeting center court would be fun. But, you know, Paul George is a dynamic player, and, and, and I don't think Toronto has that level of a second star, right? But they've got great pieces. You know, I, I love Gasol. I love Ibaka. Um, they, I've just been a fan of Toronto's team uh, for a long time because I think the way that they've kind of built the team, it's defensive for, defense first, and um, if you don't play it, you don't play. So they're really going to be a tough out. But the Clippers to me, and if you guys have noticed, it's kind of been like a theme with me. It's like these defensive-minded teams, I think, are the ones that are going to have success because regardless of what your offense looks like, if you can get stops, you got a chance to win a lot, especially going down to that bubble. Defense where travels. Yeah. De- My man, you Defense got it, travels. PJ. That's yeah, it. That's and and after, after a four-month layoff, you're going to have probably a lot of guys looking rusty on the offensive end it'll be easier to pick it up on the defensive end. And can you shuffle uh, your shoes? That's the exactly. Key. Especially when you've got Giannis coming down the lane, like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough, but defense travels more than offense. And uh, last one for me, you've had it this week. Giannis has said it. Austin rivers has said it. I'm blanking. A third guy said it too, but they've said that there should be an asterisk next to this title because it's harder to win. So you as a historian of the game, fan of the game, cover the game for so long, 15 years from now, looking back, you view this title with or without an asterisk? Is, is it legit? Is it harder than normal? Like those guys said, how do you view this 15 years from now? So like before Austin and, and the other players were saying this, I was like, no asterisk because everybody's going down there with the same circumstance. Mm-hmm. But then you think about it. Yeah, it is going to be harder. I mean, this is uncharted waters. No one has ever gone through this. Okay. There's not like one person that's going to go down there and be like, oh, I've played without fans and with COVID and all this stuff. So no one's kind of gone through it. So I think the journey uh, to this title will be different. What I did say before is, is I think the record books should show 
that there was a 2019-2020 season. Obviously, the pandemic shut play down. I think in the record book should show a 2020 season and explain why there's just a 2020 season in the record books that there was COVID. And I think that's where you have the champion in the 2020 season. 2019-2020 still has the records, everything like that, but there won't be a champion associated with that. I think you need to put just 2020 in there, who won the title, explain what it is, and kind of keep it moving. So the asterisks, I don't know. For me, I guess, just an explainer. Unlike with baseball. Somebody, someone said a footnote, basically. Not an asterisk, yeah. but a footnote. I, you know, like with baseball, with the steroid, you, you had to put that in there. I mean, yeah. how the hell did McGuire, Sosa, Bonds, <laughs> all these guys get these ridiculous numbers? You have to explain that, right? But I feel like just a footnote in the history books of 2020, there was this pandemic, here's your champion, and then we could debate – down the road five, ten years ago, you know, you know, what was the toughest championship crowned? And we could be like, well, shoot, man, that COVID year was difficult, man. They took three and a half months off, then they had to go back to work. So then that can actually feed into your argument that you would have with your buddies. Because it's going to be hard. I mean, again, it's unprecedented. I like that. All right, C-Mill. So your trivia question, we do it with every guest. We'll give you an NBA one. We think, we think it's a pretty good one. No media member has gotten their question right yet. So you guys really? got to be number one. Yeah, it was oh, that's pressure. Tim Kirkchin, <laughs> your, your boy Joe Beninati from NBC Sports Washington. And, uh, and well, I guess Sungmin Kim is our guy who we interviewed from the KBO, technically a, a team staffer, not media. But uh, the media okay. guys have not, been, have not been good. So you got a chance to, 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 to win one here. All right, no pressure. I'm ready. <laughs> so 90 seconds and three strikes you get to answer your question. And clock starts whenever, whenever you're ready. So who are the only two players in NBA history to be drafted number one overall without playing college or high school ball in the U.S. Number one overall. Number one overall. Number one overall and did not play high school or college basketball stateside. How much time I got left? Uh, you're only at 15 seconds, so you got 75 left. You got three oh strikes. Gosh. 30 seconds. Um, so 60 left. 60 left and three, all three strikes still. Number one. Number one. Number one. Luca wasn't number one. Oh, shoot. Oh. 45 seconds to go. Say, this is a good one. <laughs> oh, the pressure. The pressure's mounting. Quick hint, since you got like 30 seconds left, both were this side of the turn of, of the millennium. 20 seconds. Oh, oh my God, I'm going to be so bad. Oh. <laughs> This side of the money. Ten seconds. I give up. Kick oh, man. I'm going to kick myself, right, when you give you me are. the answer? You're gonna you kick your, You want the one that you're really going to kick yourself or the one that, like, I should have gotten that, but that, that's, you know, probably forgotten. Give me, give me both of them. All right. So, Yao Ming, 2002, Rockets. And then the other one was Andrea Bargnani, 06, Raptors. 
Those are the two. Those are the two. I'm honestly surprised that there are only two. I thought maybe there'd be like four or five. But... Oh, God, that's right. Andrea Bargnani. God, he yes. was so bad. That it was kind of yes. like, <laughs> he was so bad. Yao Ming is so disappointing that I didn't get that. Yao Ming. Yao, oh, I forget. Wow. Like, I feel like a lot of people forget about him just because it was so short-lived because, unfortunately, he had the injuries. But you remember the last did, injury that cost him his career was against the Wizards at Capital One Arena. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was the last one. See, I remember that, but I can't yeah. remember it <laughs> oh. That was awesome, man. That was really cool. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Great conversation. Yeah, I saw that, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, I think Simo would like that question. So, <laughs> Andrea Bargnani. Bargnani. I bet you Dang. haven't thought about that name in a while, Bargnani. You know who I was thinking about? I don't know why, because I know he didn't go one. Nicholas Skidishvili. I don't know why that it, – it was like right here. I'm like, bro, he didn't go number one. Yeah. And how the well, hell did I remember his name? Kind of like you, when I first saw the question from PJ, like my mind went to Luca, but then I was like, he wasn't number one. That was too recent. Yeah. And, then I, and then after that, I was thinking back like – as far as Ku coach, but like I knew he wasn't number one, especially after just watching the last dance. Uh, but I got right. I got Yao. I, I always try to like do it myself before we come on the interview. I got Yao, but I didn't get Andrea. So wait a minute, where did Anthony Bennett? Did Anthony Bennett play? He went LV. Yep, he did go to yeah. UNLV for that yeah, one year. Right. See, that's why I'm saying this. God bless Anthony <laughs> Bennett, man. I know. <laughs> oh man. Well, see, Mill, we appreciate it, man. We know you're busy, especially now with nah. stuff starting to pick up and news dropping. So we appreciate you, you know, stopping by, using some of your time and talking ball with us. We hope you had a good time. Man, I had a great time, guys. I appreciate your time, man. And thanks. Uh, I love what you guys are doing, man. This is fun, man. Let's do it again sometime. Appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. It, whether it's maybe not during the, the sprint to the finish, because you'll probably be busy, but as soon as it's done, we, we'll have a recap podcast with your name on it. Save hey, man, let's catch a wrap in, and then we can kind of talk about how bad this draft is and try to figure out who could be the best <laughs> player for the Wizards. Love there you that. go. Beautiful. You go. All right, c right, stay right, safe, man. man. Take it Thanks, guys. Stay I appreciate safe. it. Have a good stay one. safe. Thank, Thank you. you. You guys, too. Thanks. Once again, that was NBC Sports Washington, Chris Miller. Joe, he has covered the Wizards a long time. He's covered the NBA a long time. It was great to get his input on things maybe to expect to see coming back from the bubble. And it's just interesting as someone who knows the game as well as he does, there's still so much unknown, which is what we've been talking about. And I thought really the interesting thing for me personally was how much he liked Toronto. I was was surprised about that. I, I think that the Bucks have, have separated themselves in the East from a lot of the other teams. I know Philly has a lot of potential. Boston has a lot of potential. Toronto's the defending champs. But to hear him think that even without Kawhi, Toronto still, he likes them to beat Milwaukee, I thought was, was, was a bold statement. Look, the Raptors this year were tremendous. I mean, they, they're just getting contributions from everybody. I mean, uh, Van Vliet's a solid role player, probably could have – and maybe should have been the finals MVP last year, but doesn't have the name recognition of a Kawhi Leonard, so he didn't get it, though he did receive votes. So you've got him as a nice side piece. You've got Kyle Lowry. Pascal Siakam is probably one of the best players in the NBA that doesn't get talked about yeah, in that no next question. cut. Like there's the, there's the superstar level, and then there's that next tier where, where it's guys knocking on the door, and he's ready to pound that thing down, and he could prove himself in this postseason. So, and on top of that, you've got – probably one of the best coached teams in the NBA with Nick Nurse. The one thing for them that I will say, though, is they are a a team that really relies heavily on their success at home. So that gets taken out of the equation. You know, we we touched on with Chris how 
Uh, the Sixers are a team that really struggles on the road. And now on a neutral court, they don't have to worry about that. On the flip side of that, Raptors really excel at home and use that to their advantage up there in the north. And now they don't have that. So will that come into play? But he, he made some great points. And I didn't, agree, I didn't disagree with a single one of them. Uh, it's going to be, a tur- I guess tournament isn't really the right word, a restart in which defense is going to prove itself because mm-hmm. after four months of a layoff, I'm going to guess that it's a fair assumption to say the offense is what's going to be slowest to get back up to speed, getting no your shooting stroke back, getting your rhythm with your teammates back. But defense travels, like he said, like you said, like we really uh, hear about all the time in any sport really, but particularly basketball. So because of the fact that they are such a good defensive team, they're right in the thick of things. They are the second rated team in the league this season in terms of defensive rating, but right behind the Bucks. Uh, so I, as we get into our predictions, I'll, I'll lean heavily towards the Bucks. But those are the two teams that are going to be very, very popular picks, even more so than the Celtics and Sixers of the world. Raptors kind of flew under the radar all year, like Chris said, just because mm-hmm. they lost Kawhi. But they're going to be right back in the mix again with a, a better chance than people realize of repeating. And then on the West, I thought he was bringing up some great points about the Rockets and how they're really – the X factor through all of this. Each team has their identity. We know the kind of brand of ball they want to play. The Rockets, like he said, they either want to shoot threes or they want to score layups. And now with this long layoff and just the bubble and the uncertainty of everything, it's going to be interesting to see how teams play Houston, what the strategy is. And because there's so much uncertainty, these are neutral site games, you know, Houston's has a big advantage if Harden is the kind of player that he's been in the regular season, if he can carry that over into Orlando. On paper, teams should play big and physical against them. But like Chris said, it's just so tempting when you get into the flow of the game to just try to go shot for shot with them, and that's when they make you pay. And one of the main things that was kind of under the radar towards the end of the, I guess, quote-unquote, end of the season when things stopped was how dominant Russell Westbrook was after they switched the uh, style of play to anybody under six, anybody, anybody over six, five, excuse me, doesn't count basically. Mm, Um, Once they switched to that and spread the floor, Russell Westbrook was dominating inside. The the lanes were wide open for him, a a player of his caliber with his explosiveness and his just pure athleticism. Nobody was stopping him when he was taken into the hole. So on paper, you should try to play big against them. But again, it's just going to be so enticing to, like he mentioned, Anthony Davis and LeBron, to to pull up and shoot with them. But really, LeBron, AD, uh, going over to the Clippers, Kawhi, Montrez Harrell, going over to the Jazz, even if that's a matchup that could happen with Rudy Gobert. I know people are probably going to want to stay away from him, but with Rudy Gobert. Jokic on the Nuggets. Exactly. That's where I was going next. All these guys who have these really well-established bigs, if they – dedicate themselves to playing big and physical, they shouldn't really have a problem. Now you're going to, in a series, you're going to lose games to the Rockets because they're just going to shoot the lights out one night and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. But if they stick to the game plan of playing physical and playing inside, they will eventually wear the Rockets down. I mean, there were games after the Rockets switched to style of play where they struggled against some of the, the bottom feeder teams in the league just because they couldn't really keep up with them inside. There was one of the national televised games uh, back in February, it was right at the start of when Zion came back against the Rockets, and Zion ate like crazy on the boards in that game and just dominated inside. So they will have their problems if teams stay dedicated to, towards the idea of playing a big and physical, but 
if, if teams want to get into a shootout with them, they're going to have some trouble. So we obviously don't know the playoff matchups yet. Each team has eight regular season games left. So unlike hockey, which we'll get into in a little bit, we can't go specific first round matchups. But starting with the East, like we were talking about, I think it's important for Toronto to keep that second seed. They got a three-game lead right now on Boston because I think the top six in the East really just separate themselves from the Nets, Magic, and Wizards. And if the Raptors fall into that three spot and they got to play either Miami, Indiana, or Philly, that could be really interesting. The team that was getting a lot of talk, that was getting a lot of love for the regular season was Miami. People loved Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, their young pieces. Bam Adebayo was an all-star. But they just – Jimmy Butler is a good player, but he's not a Giannis or a Kawhi. Yeah. He's, you know, he's not a guy that can win you multiple playoff series. And so I, I was, don't – And I was I, down there for a month and a half during the last stretch of the season, and they started slumping. Uh, all the talk on, on the radio in the Miami area was, is this Heat team going to fade to a, a – a, succeed so they were fading so the, the break could help them but I think they were just kind of sort of hitting a wall and I don't know if it's going to be that easy for them to turn it back on because they don't have that superstar like Butler again really good player in that next tier yeah but because of the fact that you all the teams are looking at above them have that top top talent and, and I'm really like close to putting Siakam at that level because the Heat don't really have that and it's a, a really young core around them. I don't know that they'll be one of the teams that kind of restarts quick. So I'm I, with you. I, I don't think I, I look at them as that same kind of darling team that people team, looked at earlier. The team on. I don't think is getting enough love is Indiana. I like the Pacers a lot, and I think they're they're primed. They're they build their team for the playoffs. When you look at well, Oladipo is not going to play, but Brogdon, I was going to say without Oladipo, that's tough though. It is. With Brogdon and Sabonis and Miles Turner, they just have mismatch problems. If, if Oladipo was playing, I'd like them a lot more. But even so, I think if they do play Miami or Philly or whoever in the first round, I, I think, I think they, could, they could get through that. Philly, I mean, Chris brought up a great point that Joel Embiid is really the entire X factor, not in just the East, but really maybe the whole mm-hmm. league. As he goes, Philly goes. When he's good – I mean, he's, he's good. If you remember that all-star game in the fourth quarter when they were all really, really yeah. trying, I mean, Embiid was, was making some serious moves on Anthony Davis. He was backing him down, giving him the Hakeem dream shake and all that. <laughs> and, you know, Ben Simmons has looked like he's gotten stronger and they're just so tall and physical. And if they can just get some shooting and if Brett Brown can prove people wrong and, prove that he's a better coach than a lot of people think that he is Philly could make make some noise but to me I think Milwaukee's the team to beat I think they're they're kind of head and shoulders Toronto's good Boston's good but Milwaukee I just I think this is their year especially I agree with Kawhi not on Toronto anymore I definitely agree I think you mentioned the Pacers I'm not really kind of as high on them as a kind of darling team as you are they are what we know they have been for the last six to eight years and that's a team that surprises everybody by how well they do in the regular season and this is even going back to when Paul George was there surprises everybody by how well they do in the regular season gets into the playoffs takes a higher seeded team to like six games in the first round and then loses and I think that you're kind of going to get the same thing this year uh, as I go top to bottom the Bucks are number one 
no doubt about it. They're, they've got yes. a seven-game lead. I think the Raptors keep that six seed, the two seed, excuse me, over the Celtics. The Celtics keep that three seed. The Heat, I think, and the Pacers both fade below the Sixers. There's currently a two-game lead for the Heat over the Sixers. I think the Sixers vault to four between the Pacers and the Heat. Uh, I'm not sure which one of them really ends up taking that five seed. Again, both teams that were trending down when things stopped and teams that I think are going to have a tough time really getting their groove back in this restart. And beyond that, I don't really think they can make too much noise. So which, whether they're five or six doesn't really make a whole lot of difference in the end. Put it this way, I think either of them would lose in five, maybe if they're lucky, six to the Sixers or Celtics. And then you've got the bottom with uh, the Magic at seven and either the Wizards or Nets at eight. And again, for me, it, it goes back to those top four. I think they end up being seated one, two, three, four, Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Sixers. And of that group, I'm looking at the Bucks. I think like we we're talking about with Chris, it's going to be all about defense, all about rebounding. They yeah. are the number one rated team in terms of defensive rating this year. They're the number one team in terms of defensive rebounding possession. They have the best basketball player in the world in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And, you know, we talk about how offenses are going to maybe struggle to get into a rhythm. Guys who rely on the jump shot, maybe they struggle to get into a rhythm early on. Well, Giannis does – now, the jump shot has been, especially from three-point land, his tonight, but it's been better. Yeah. But for him, you know, he's just every shot of his for the most part, kind of the same thing with Zion. It's from within three feet of the rim, if not a dunk. So I, I think players like that will have an easier time of getting into rhythm because it's not like he has to find his shooting stroke. His shooting stroke is putting the ball into the basket. So uh, I think it's just going to be his time to kind of rise to the top. Now we'll get there in a little bit, but whether he wins the title or not, different story. But in the East this year, Bucks have been the team to beat all year for good reason, and I think this restart bodes well for them because it's going to favor defensive teams and teams that have a superstar to rely on, and that fits that description fits them like a glove. They are the best defensive team in the league, and they have the best superstar in the league. And I don't think that's what most people realize is Milwaukee's almost like those Golden State teams. Golden State was obviously incredible offensively, but they were also a very good defensive team. Milwaukee's kind of the same thing. I think there was a stretch where they scored like 70, 80 games in a row of 100 or more points, which mm-hmm. is just ridiculous. But they also defend, like you said, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. And it's so not with just you. Giannis. I mean, you've got also no, Chris Middleton, Middleton and Lopez, and I, the list goes on yes. as far as the talent and depth of that team. So, Who do you think they the play superstar. in the conference final? You like uh, Boston, I like Philly, Toronto. or Toronto? You like I like Toronto. Toronto. I think the Celtics will struggle. The Sixers, on the other hand uh, – they can definitely make some noise. Again, it comes down to which MB we get and what Simmons mm-hmm. looks like. The, the big thing to watch for them is, again, how bad they were on the road. Now, you don't have to deal with that. You're at a neutral site. But also, you could look at that the other way and say, well, they, they were, were so good, really at, good home. at home, but they're also now not at home. So which way will the neutral site play for them? So yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, the two most talented teams uh, – excuse me, not most talented because the Sixers and Celtics arguably have more talent than the Raptors, but the two best teams – are the Bucks and Raptors, the two best defensive teams in the East. I got to give it to those two. Conference final matchup between them. And, and like we mentioned it with, uh, with Chris, he thinks the Raptors win again like last year, but I think the Bucks get their revenge. I like Milwaukee as well. And, man, but who they play in the conference final is going to be tough. I mean, yeah. you could really make a case for Toronto, Boston, or Philly. I'm kind of leaning 
Philly, just because I can see it. It wouldn't shock me at all. It wouldn't. You know, shock me at they all. took them. They took Toronto to a game seven last year. Obviously, the Raptors don't have Kawhi this year. His shot was the difference, and I think losing him uh, hurts hurts them. And I think Philly could it's play just, in the wall. It's just the way that I'm looking at it. As far as it being Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Sixers, the Bucks would play the Sixers before the conference finals. So and I if that the happens, would right get there, and it would be rap. So that with my scenario, it would be a Raptors Celtics matchup before the ECF, in which case I go Raptors. So that's why I, I didn't mention the Sixers. Yes. Um, now, if somehow the they Sixers the six. got into the three seed and the or Celtics the fell to the four, yeah. different story. But I'll go with Bucks and Raptors. All right. In the West, we know it's LA it's, and everybody. It's LA else. and LA. Okay. It, look, right. I mean, for them, for the, for the Western Conference, you know, we can kind of look at the middle between the Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, and Rockets going three through six, and that could end up falling a million different ways. Out of I, that, I would of, like Utah. That, but... Yeah, that group of the middle is, is what intrigues me most here. Now, there's going to be a good battle for, for the eight seed. We know that, and we'll get yes. to that in a moment. But I'm really intrigued by the middle because technically the Clippers still are closer to that than they are the Lakers. So if the Clippers stumble out of the gates, we could be looking at them as a – a four seed or a three seed because they've got they're 44 and 20 nuggets are 43 and 22 jazz 41 and 23 and then both the thunder and rockets at 40 and 24 so two to six it's separated by four in the win column and four in the loss column the mavericks are seven back in the loss column so upper hill battle for them but only four in the win and loss column between the clippers at two and the rockets at six a lot to be sorted out i think the thunder fade I think they were really kind of riding the wave as the season went on, and you take that momentum away from them. It's going to yeah, be they don't, to they don't have enough firepower. Not at all. Uh, the Rockets, they were, again, on the uptick because of the new system, and like we're talking about with Chris, that could really bode well for them in this restart. The Jazz, I, they, I think they're going to fade. I think, like he said, you know, that initial reaction after the whole thing would go bare, they're ready to fracture, and I cannot trust them. The Nuggets are intriguing to me because – Jokic, we saw the the slim down version of him. Yeah. So, but is that good or bad? He went the whole season playing at his weight, and now he has eight games to get used to his new frame. That's not going to be easy. So, how do we look at that? So, I think the Clippers do keep the two seed, but that jumbled mess between three and six—I have no idea how it's going to go. Whoever is in that three to six range—Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets—none of them, in my opinion, could upset the Clippers or the Lakers. What's interesting is I think the Jazz met, uh, are the team best equipped to take down the Clippers and if the Lakers. If they're not fractured. If they're not fractured. Yeah. With that being said, though, I think they're a terrible matchup for the Rockets. And I think if that's a 4-5 matchup, they could lose to them in the first round. Mm-hmm. Utah is the team, to me, that is the one who could pose the closest threat to – either LA team just because in the postseason the game slows down you need you need scores who can get you buckets in the half court they're a great defensive team they're well coached they they have a pretty good bench they're deep enough they can make shots but again I just worry they're going to get Houston in the first round and I I don't know if they can beat the Rockets and then as far as the battle for the eighth seed uh, or the Mavericks are pretty much going to fall into the the seventh spot and then I don't think there's really much question that the Pelicans are going to find a way into that matchup at this point. You, you think so? I'm kind I, of leading Portland. I, I think, look, we know how this league goes. And everybody <laughs> kind of always feels like there's some people pulling some strings. And with the schedule, the way it looks for the Pelicans and 
how many times they're on national TV and how attractive it would be to have a John Morant Zion Williamson play in and how attractive it would then be to have a Zion Williamson LeBron James first round matchup. They're definitely the matchup I want to see. Yeah. I just don't Look, know if they're better than Portland though. That's that's the thing. They're only they're only a game behind Portland as far as getting into the nine seed. So they're right there to get into that play in and then against the Grizzlies, they're more than equipped to to beat the Grizzlies in back to back games. I really liked the way the Pelicans were playing after they got Zion. I mean They've got a lot of really sexy pieces. They do. Zion, Ingram, Ball, Redick. It kind of just goes all around Holiday. They have a really good deep team. It was a team that everybody was excited to see when it was announced that they got the number one pick and would get Zion. And then after the trade for AD and they got those young pieces from the Lakers, the whole perception of, wow, if this team is all healthy and ready to go and gets rolling, they could be scary. Mm -hmm. And that's what we saw before things ended. And I think they'll get right back into it. Um, Look, Zion is is so dominant. I mean, anybody who doubted him, they were shut up immediately in his stretch when he came back. They're getting into the play-in. They're going to beat the Grizzlies back-to-back games. I feel really confident in that. And again, like we said, we know this league has been perceived to, uh, you know, whistles will go one way more than the other if it could get the league uh, that much more TV revenue. Look, that's not confirmed by anybody, but it's always largely been kind of believed to be that way. So I feel pretty confident in saying that the Pelicans will get into the play and matchup and beat the Grizzlies. But again, all of this doesn't matter because with the Mavericks at seven and the Pelicans at eight, neither We're both team going beats down. LA, either LA team. So we, we end up just coming back to it's going to be. I've said it before. To me, the 8-9 game in the West and really the East is like the 16-seed playing game in March Madness. It's just they're a little fun. You win a game, you move on, but you know the inevitable. They're not going to be the Lakers. It's going to be fun to see how we get there because there's going to be a good battle in both sides. Now because the Nets have all the injuries, it's going to be a really good battle, uh, particularly in the more crowded West. But it's, it's all coming down to L.A., L.A., I don't see either team faltering before the Western Conference Finals. I think the writing's been on the wall since Kawhi picked the Clippers and AD got sent to the Lakers that were on that course. And like Chris, and I, I don't know uh, your, your thoughts on this, I go Clippers. I think they're a more well-rounded team. And the numbers, I think, are only lesser for the Clippers than they were for the Lakers because they never really played together all year with the load management for Kawhi and, and sometimes for Paul George and the injuries to some guys, we never really got to see them all together as much as we'd like to. And I think the, the eight games that they have will do a good job of kind of getting that chemistry going. Nobody will touch them in the early rounds of the playoffs. So again, a good chance to get their chemistry going. And now by the time we get to this Western Conference LALA matchup in the Western Conference Finals, you're going to have a Clippers team that's been playing together without load management issues as long as everybody's healthy for over a month. So those chemistry issues are out the window. And with Pat Bev, with Montrez Harrell, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, you're talking about an all-NBA defensive team right there. And offensively, again, with Kawhi and Paul George, Lou Will is a walking bucket. So I think they're the team to beat. Avery Bradley's loss hurts the Lakers. I know they still did well without him and they'll make up for it. But I just think all around, the Clippers are a better team. They're a better coach team. And I think, as we've seen time and time again in their careers, 
the one player that LeBron has had a really big problem with is Kawhi Leonard. Yes. And going up against him, I think Kawhi gets the better of it. And Kawhi's back in the finals. I'm with you. I like the Clippers. To I me, hate that we agree so much on this. I know. <laughs> but for me, it comes down to Clippers-Lakers. You need a third person. Toronto, all those years that they had DeRozan and Lowry, they were missing that third guy. Finally, last year, they had Kawhi, they had Siakam, and then they got Van Fleet, or they got Lowry, or they got whoever. And the Clippers-Lakers, the Gasol, you got to get that third guy, and you just mentioned him, Lou Williams. To me, I'd take him over Kuzma or Danny Green or whoever. Montrezl Harrell could be that third guy. I think that their number three piece is better than the Lakers' number three piece. And again, the depth is there, too, because you, we talk about them adding uh, Marquise Morris before this all, all shut down. And not that he'll really ever play much, but as far as a good depth, nasty player, they got Joe Kim Noah sitting on the end of the bench. So they have a lot of good guys, even good, just kind of feisty guys, even towards the end of the bench, that when you get into a series like this where you're going to have some really tough grind them out, you know, low 100s, if not upper 90s sort of scoring games. And I, I got to go with the Clippers. And, and look, Doc Rivers has been there. You know, I just don't know if I trust Frank Vogel yet over, exactly. over and, Doc. And as far as, you know, if we were living in a normal world and, and they were playing all seven of the possible seven of those games at the Staples Center, maybe different because we all know that L.A. is a Lakers town. And even the quote-unquote home games for the Clippers would have been road games. So the Clippers would have possibly had seven road games in that series. So I think being on a neutral site with no crowd benefits the Clippers because now that you take that out of the equation. So all the extra energy the Lakers would have had to feed off of, and again, essentially possibly seven home games in that series, that's gone. So all things are equal in a vacuum or a bubble. Uh, you're looking at the Clippers roster you're looking at their depth. You're looking at how they're put together as far as being just a really good, nasty defensive team with that better third option than the Lakers have, like you mentioned. Probably a six- or seven-game series, but I go the Clippers. And if you're a person who likes divine intervention and believe in, you know, God working some magic or whatever, you could believe that maybe the Lakers are doing something for Kobe. Or you could, you know, so that might play a factor in it. But I think the, uh, the Clippers are just – the better team on paper. Chris Miller said that Kawhi and Paul George are two of the three best closers in the West. Mm -hmm. I think Kawhi personally is the best one. He just, in those moments, I just look at him and he just, he has that it to him. Exactly. You know, it's, you just, you can't explain it. But if, if you want to win a game, that's the guy you want with the ball in your hands. And the Lakers Clippers games could come down to that. And, and I take Kawhi over LeBron. Or so we've both got a Clippers Bucks final. We do. On the count of three, we say our winner. One, two, three. Bucks. Clippers. Ooh. All right. We disagree on something. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I go with the Bucks. Uh, I, I think Giannis has shown his mindset all year. We talk about kind of sort of like the divine intervention with Kobe for the Lakers sort of thing. Giannis and Kobe were really close. And Kobe always challenged and pushed Giannis to, to win that MVP. And he got it. Got that check mark. And then the next thing he challenged Giannis to do was win an NBA title. And he would be there at yep. the, the precipice of greatness and the chance to grab that title. And again, it's not like the Bucks are only Giannis and nothing else, kind of like those LeBron Cavs teams from his early days in Cleveland. You've got really good shooting around him. You've got another top 
potential scorer and Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez. They have a lot of talent on that roster more than they're given credit for. It's not just Giannis. And it's going to be another really good defensive matchup. Again, the Bucks are the top-rated defensive team in the league. The Clippers fifth, but would have probably been better if not for all the load management all year. So it's a really tough series. It probably goes seven. Uh, but I'm going to give the edge to the Bucks just because I, I think there's just something about Giannis where this season where I'm, I don't want to pick against him in the Eastern Conference playoffs, and I don't want to pick against him in the finals against the Clippers. You talked about how Kawhi maybe has LeBron's number a little bit. I look back to that raptors Bucks series last year, and Giannis definitely struggled in some games against no the Raptors. I just think that L.A., they're just such a – bad matchup for Milwaukee because obviously the Bucks can have the ball in Giannis's hands and he can drive or he can create and kick out the shooters and you just look at the Clippers and they're just so versatile defensively and they can put either the smaller Pat Bev on Giannis or Middleton and try and rattle him and get you know all up in his psyche and his grill or they can put Paul George or they can put Kawhi on him they can rotate so many bodies Montrez Harrell maybe if they want to go with somebody bigger that I just don't think the Bucks will get in a good enough offensive rhythm and not being able to play at home being at a neutral site you definitely lean more towards the defensive team who you think would have the better so, defensive but game the better plan. defensive team is Bucks. But not head. To, I don't think head to head. I don't think okay. head to head. The Bucks would would be a good match. And then on the opposite end, I mean, you know, maybe Giannis guards Paul George or guards Kawhi. I mean, do you trust Middleton to guard the other guy? Or well, it's you- not. I mean, look, you, you kind of go down the list, and and as far as the depth on this team too, like you, they've got you know a kind of proven veterans who've been there, done that too, like a Kyle Korver, Dante DiVincenzo, kind of showed flashes off the bench, and. George Hill had done some really good things off the bench, a good veteran to have. So it's a deeper team than they get credit for. Wesley Matthews is. off the bench. Uh, those, I mean, those, as far as we talk about having that third score, it's, it's those top two guys of, of Giannis and Middleton. And then they got Bledsoe, who was averaging 15 a game. And he's had some issues in the past where he's kind of faded in the playoffs. But that three, I think, does not quite as well. But I think it, it holds up well enough against a, a Kawhi, Paul George, Lou Will, top three scorer sort of thing. So I think for me, the gaps there aren't really that wide. Defensively, I think all year the Bucks proved to be the best defensive team in the league, the best rebounding team in the league. Sure, maybe you kind of give a slight edge here or there to some, some head-to-head matchups with the Clippers, but they're not kind of massive gaps. And again, I think just Giannis, is the, Giannis and Kawhi are the two best players on the planet right now. I agree. LeBron James. I think Giannis is better, not by much. And I, just because, again, when it gets down to, to this, I'm looking at Giannis kind of taking the mantle as the best player in the world, the best player in the NBA, without question, and getting the, the trophy to, to go with it. It's not going to be – it's not like I'm really emphatically on the Bucks here. Like, it's going to be a, probably a seven-game toss-up, but It'll I be give them the slight series. edge. Oh, it's gonna be. It would be a great series. I think it's great. a series that I, I wouldn't say it's a series that everybody wants. I think for ratings purposes, it's, yeah, Clippers Bucks wouldn't be as sexy it, as it's, Lakers. It's, Bucks. it's a LeBron Giannis. That's that that's the want. draw. So from basketball, we go to hockey now. And hockey, we at least have the matchups for yes. the first round. Yes, but we can only go for the first round picks though, and right. can't really talk about much else because. In hockey, we've got this whole round robin for the top four seeds. So mm-hmm. you could have, after, after we get the, the kind of play-ins here and 
And as far as that goes, you, you could have any array of matchups depending on how the round robin plays out, which I don't think was really fair because, you know, you look at a team like the Bruins in the East, they were going to run away with the president. And, and they could be a four seed. Exactly. <laughs> so they, you, you could have looked at it with some common sense and said, all right, we still have to have this round robin to sort out two, three, and four and right. so that these top four teams could get their own reps like the other teams who are going to be in the playing round. But you could have still said the Bruins, no matter what, end up as the one seed. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And, and again, it, the thing that sucks for kind of prognosticating this whole thing is that w- we don't know how it's going to go as far as the seeding. So all we can really do right now is give our best guess of – If there's one sport, too, where they could get away with that with the reseeding, it's hockey, just because of, of how many upsets there are. But I totally see what you're saying. All we can how do right now the Bruins give, our, upset. give our best guess yes. for – who, who we think are the contenders, and we could go matchup by matchup in the first round. Um, and, and don't forget, now they have the uh, added bonus for the losers of the first round that by some odd – I don't know why the NHL did it this way. The losers of the playing round will all have a 12.5% chance to get the first, first overall pick. I have no idea. bizarre thing ever. I have no idea why the NHL did it that way. If, if I was in charge of it, which I'm clearly not, I would have just said it's a lottery of teams one through seven. And then you could have just had this, this same lottery that's going to happen now for the number one pick. You could have just said, we're doing this for the eight seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and How the, awkward was that, too, for the dude announcing it? He turns oh, over the NHL logo and Thank he you. reads out, like, the top pick will go to the seed. Who we don't know yet. Yeah. The, <laughs> we we like, don't know yet. So <laughs> I, I think what they should have done was – was kept that placeholder in the eight seed and mm-hmm. and the same drawing that they're going to do for the one seed done it for the eight seed right uh, but hey i don't i don't make those decisions and and it's going to make things interesting because again the you wonder almost in the back of your mind are there some teams in the playing round who are like well we don't really feel like we have a chance to do much and would we rather be sent through like a pig for slaughter against the bruins or lightning in the next round or would we rather have a one in eight chance of the uh, sweepstakes for the number one pick and get Alex Lafreniere, who's one of the best prospects since McDavid? And then I guess if you're going all the way back to Crosby and edit to rank those guys, it's probably McDavid, Crosby, Lafreniere. So it's a big talent that's mm. that you you've got a chance to get. So. Uh, will that play into it? Will we have anybody who says, oh, I don't really want to win this yeah, round? But yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that's a topic that we'll have to address after we see teams if they look like they're actively tanking in that first-round matchup. But to those first-round matchups, and actually we'll start with the one who has been talked about most as a possible tank in this situation, uh, the 5-12 matchup in the East, the Penguins against the Canadians. Um, yeah, Lafreniere is from Montreal, and the Canadians would love to have that. The NHL would love to have that. We know that uh, there's obviously always all those rumors about the NBA rigging things. Well, this you, you have the perfect opportunity here for the NHL to to kind of rig the draw and have the top overall prospect who's from Montreal go to one of your original six franchises in Montreal. So that's something to watch for. But in this series, uh, the Penguins are the much better team. I don't want to count the Canadians out entirely because what they do possess is the best goaltender in the NHL in Carey Price. And when he's on. About, when he's on. Yep. And you're talking about stealing three out of five. Not impossible, yeah. but the Penguins are loaded. They have a goalie issue to sort out. And, again, you don't want that in the postseason. But 
they just have too much firepower offensively. Yeah. They'll get the better of the Canadians, in my opinion. I agree. And I think, too, the layoff helps them, but also getting swept last year by the Islanders. They, you know, didn't have to go through one of those long postseason runs that they went back-to-back for three, four years ago. I think they're plenty well-rested, the more talented team. I think they beat the Canadians, look, let's not forget, they were the team that benefited most from this expanded postseason. They were a 500 team. By far the, the lowest point total of those who got in, uh, they had 71. So, so in, hockey terms, in hockey terms, you're basically saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, true. Is, is true. what that is. No, that'll, that'll, that'll be a fun the matchup. There. Uh, a better matchup, uh, the 8-9 matchup of Toronto and Columbus, that's one that I could see going either way because the Columbus franchise has a knack for – just being such a pesky team in the postseason. You look at the last couple of years, uh, back when the Caps ended up winning the Stanley Cup, they were down in a 2 nothing hole against Columbus. They sure and they were. hit the post Columbus did in, in overtime, overtime where they could have got up 3 nothing. So they did that. Last year against the Lightning, in one of the most lopsided matchups in NHL history, as far as the point totals for the regular season go, they ended up sweeping the Lightning. So... God, it's, I love hockey. I never want to. It's always. It's you never know what you're going to get with the Blue Jackets. As far as, uh, I, excuse me. Let me let me correct myself. You know what you're going to get, and it's <laughs> it's a team that's going to be pesky. Uh, you never know what you're going to get beyond the first round, but you know in the first round they're going to give teams a fit. And I, I mean, the, the Maple Leafs really all year struggled to reach their potential with all the talent they have in Austin Matthews, John Tavares. They never really reached their potential. Uh, Nylander, another top talent out there. They've got a lot of guys. So you look at Mitch Marner, who you say, well, this team could be one of the best in the NHL, but they never really kind of showcase that. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're an eight seed who has to deal with a five-game playing against one of the toughest outs in the NHL. I'm going to lean the Blue Jackets just because I don't like picking against John Tortorella in first rounds. And I Took think the words right out of my mouth. Exactly. And they're just a, a tough, tough team. They're getting Seth Jones back as well. Uh, in terms of the goaltending, they have one of the best goaltending situations in the NHL. The Leafs, on the other hand, were a team that was in the market for a goaltender at the at the trade deadline. So I go with the Blue Jackets. Could be a good, fun series. You've got a team that underachieved significantly in the Maple Leafs against a team that always overachieves in the Blue Jackets. So I, I go Columbus. When we had Joe Bedinati on, he said the two teams that he loved going into the playoffs had it been a normal season. He loved how Columbus was playing and he loved how Philly was playing. And I couldn't agree more with what you were saying about Tortorella. He's just one of those coaches who always gets the best out of his teams in the playoffs. They're never an easy out. And I just feel like a lot of people will look at this matchup. They'll see Maple Leafs blue versus the Blue Jackets. They'll know that Matthews and Tavares are on Toronto. But like you said, they haven't been playing well, really, for most of this year. The Blue Jackets just – this is one of those playoff series where they're just the more grittier, grindier team. And I think they'll find a way to beat Toronto. I'm with you. Yeah, I, and now we go to another series that's kind of interesting. It's two teams, again, that really didn't – play up to what their potential was this year, but could be pesky playoff teams, and they're very well coached. You've got the now Joe Quenville coach, Florida Panthers, and you've got the Barry Trotz coach, New York Islanders. Yeah, Two coaches one. with tremendous Stanley Cup pedigrees, who, again, underachieved this year. I Of all the, the first-round matchups in, in both conferences, this one, to me, is the biggest coin flip just because of the way the teams are constructed and the guys who are leading the charge. 
I really don't know which way to go. Um, you look at Florida, Sergey Bobrovsky was their big acquisition in the offseason and mm-hmm. didn't regain his past vision of form. Does the long layoff help him? And maybe he can regain that. And this is a team that can get hot. Uh, as far as the, the offense goes, with, with Huberto leading the way, 78 points this year, 23 goals, 55 assists. You look at that as kind of your playmaker offensively. Um, they have some talent. They did make a trade uh, in which they got rid of one of their top offensive players in Trocek to Carolina. So they kind of were in sell mode. We're going to punt on this season, but then this all happens and they get in as the 10 seed. So I looked down at the other side of the Islanders. They are the better team. They're the better defensive team with Barry Trotz. Uh, I mean, like what we said about Tortorella, you don't really want to kind of pick against them. I don't like picking against Barry Trotz after, after all the runs he went on with the Capitals, the oh, run he I went did. on last year with the Islanders. Yeah. Uh, as far as their talent goes, Matty Barzell, Brock Nelson, two really good offensive pieces for them. Uh, I'm going to go with the Islanders, and it pains me to say that as a Rangers fan, but again, I don't see either team here making a deeper run into the postseason, and it's a real coin flip just based on the way they're constructed and, and the guys who are coaching them. I like Florida in this matchup. Um, Trotz, the past two years, I mean, he's definitely won a Stanley Cup, got to the Eastern Conference Final. He's kind of changed the narrative on him as a coach as kind of the guy who could do really great in the regular season, couldn't perform in the postseason. With that being said, though, the guy on the other side, Joe Quenville's won three cups. They have Bobrovsky, like you said. And I just worry about teams like the Islanders, who rely so much on their defense and goaltending after this restart in shortened series. If you start to press panic a little bit because the series are so short, you maybe know you have to score a little bit more. You don't want to get into those one-goal overtime type games that they're so good at winning. And Florida, with their offense, I think could could provide some problems. I like the Panthers. Again, the fact that we're split on this one. Yeah, it's a coin flip It's a real coin flip. One that's not a coin flip. It's going to be a (laughs) three-game sweep. New York Rangers against the Carolina Hurricanes. No analysis necessary. Oh, I'm (laughs) dropping a bomb on the window at the the Hurricanes, let me tell you. Uh, I'm going to Charlestown, betting this thing hard, Carolina. Absolutely. It's a good series. When we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I told you how much I see – in the Rangers' DNA of what the Hurricanes were maybe last year, this team that kind of overachieved this season. They get this opportunity to be in the postseason, and they go up against the team that was in the conference final last year. Carolina's got so much team speed. We talked about Tortorella, Trotz. Rod Brindamore is another guy, man. I mean, he just – he the way he coaches is how he played, and he gets that out of his players. They got – a lot of guys that you probably haven't heard of, but, man, can they play. They got a lot of team speed. And the Rangers, they got a lot of young talent, too. This game, this series, I cannot see how it doesn't go five games. Um, with that being said, though, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe, but I think I'm going to have to <laughs> lean Carolina. All right, so it, in all honesty, I'm not as, as pumped as I was about it. I'm not going <laughs> three-game sweep for the Rangers. I am saying the Rangers win the series, though. Um, you look at the regular season – the Rangers own Carolina. As far as a matchup goes, they match up really well with the Hurricanes. They swept them in the regular season, four games to none. Um, the Rangers were the hottest, one of the hottest teams in the NHL before everything shut down. And before Igor Shesterkin got into a car accident and missed a couple of weeks, he was the best goaltender in the NHL for a two-week period. He's back. 
Now, whether it's him or Lundquist, Lundquist, for the most part, got the starts against the Hurricanes this year and historically is tremendous against the Hurricanes. So either way, you've got one of the hottest, best young goaltenders in the league, or you've got a top five goaltender in NHL history who is still – he hasn't been what he was, but he has been what he was against the Hurricanes. So they've got the goaltending advantage for sure, unless – the the Hurricanes pull back that Zamboni driver and, and let him go for the five. Um, you know, I can decide the, those two. They have the goaltender advantage defensively. The Rangers struggle, but they good. They get a lot of good offense from the defensive side, led by Tony D'Angelo. And then just going forward, I mean, there's a lot of pieces on this Rangers offense that gets overlooked because they're rebuilding and weren't quite there yet. But we're getting there, so you'll hear more about them in the years to come, the next two years. But Artemi Panarin deserves the Hart Trophy in my opinion, over the guys who are getting tossed around for and Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid. Um, he deserves it if we're talking about most valuable player rather than, again, the, the age-old debate of most valuable or best. He probably satisfies both of those, but he's not going to get the Hart Trophy, unfortunately. Um, the talent, Chris Kreider broke his foot, was going to miss the remainder of the season. He's healthy now. Mika Zibanejad, one of the most underrated players in the league. The Rangers get this. I don't know that they go too much further. Uh, but they get this. And, and for the Rangers, one of the unique things is that they could still get uh, win that number one pick because they have Carolina's pick from a trade earlier this season. So mm. there's, a, there's a, a couple of things that have to happen, but the possibility is there that the Rangers could win this series but still be in the lottery for the number one pick. So I'm, I'm pumped about you that. You think so, about that at least once a day, don't you? Just once? Uh, <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, but, but it's, it's going to be fun, a fun series. Look, the East is chock full of those under-the-radar teams that could make a run. But again, it it all kind of dies down when you look at what's on the other side of this playing round as far as the Bruins, Lightning, Capitals, and Flyers go. From that group, the Lightning, we talked about it when Joe Benedetti was on. They're my pick. They're the best team in the league by far. Yep. it's they're due it's their it's their time there's just you know in sports there's a certain time where teams go through losing they learn how to lose you wonder if they're ever going to get over that hump and tampa last year they hit their low point a record season you get swept by columbus and i think this is is their year Um, no question so i I go i go the lightning again we don't know how it's going to shake out in terms of the matchups after the playing around because of the round robin but anyway you slice it i'm going with the lightning and and when the when we get past the playing round and the round robin, we'll again do our picks then for the actual bracket when it's set. Yeah. But uh, no matter what, and hold me to this when the time comes, as long as nobody got injured or came down with COVID, as long as they're full go, do not let me change my mind on this at all. I'm picking the lightning. I won't, unless they play the caps, then I'll maybe convince you to change your mind. There you go. So that was the East. What about the West? Who are you liking over there? The Got West some good matchups is, as well. Yeah, the, the West this year was so, so weak. I mean, before this shutdown, again, as, as the, the bitter Rangers fan that I am and have come to be since I'm 22 and a half and none of my teams have won a championship yet, uh, they were in a position to be in the playoffs with comfort if they were in the West, yet they're the 11th seed in the East. So it's, it's a much weaker conference. And – as far as going to the playoff matchups, you don't know really which way to lean. Uh, we can start with the the Canucks matchup against the Wild, if you'd like, just because the Canucks are my kind of under-the-radar team. That, again, Joe Beninati mentioned a couple weeks ago. So I like them to get past the Wild in that first round. It's just it, – I don't know. It's just it's tougher for the West just because it's so weak and you don't really know. Whereas in the East, 
there are teams from the playing around who you could see making a run, still losing to the Lightning and the Bruins, but you could see making a run because the Capitals and Flyers I could see faltering. Mm-hmm. In the West, I think, and you know, I'll go on record saying this now, we're recording this Sunday, July 5th, the four winners of the playing around in the West all lose in the top four seeds in the West. I don't think, well, I don't think we see a single playing team make it after outside of the round of 16. Oof. In hockey, I don't know. Hockey, it's tough. Playoff hockey you know, is I, one of those things, the easier it looks, the more chaos ensues. I, on paper, I agree with you. It looks like how could Vegas and St. Louis and Colorado and those teams lose, but it just it never is that easy. I yeah. know we both like Vegas a lot. We think St. Louis is a great story. They're obviously the defending cup champions, but – I don't know. I just I think you know, one of those I'll, I'll teams might it, squeak in there. I'll take it back. I'll say there's only one outcome that I could see happening in that case, and that's if the fifth seeded Oilers match up with the, if the Stars are the fourth seeded team after the play-in. That's actually the one where I could see it going differently okay. because of the firepower for the Oilers. And yeah. actually, spoiler alert: I have them getting past the Blackhawks. Um, <laughs> that's the one I could see. But other than that, the the top four in the West with the exception of the Stars playing the Oilers possibly, I don't really have any issues seeing them beating whoever comes out of the Flames Jets, whoever comes out of the Canucks Wild, and whoever comes out of the Predators Coyotes. I got Oilers over the Blackhawks too. The Blackhawks are not the Kane, Taves, Crawford teams that you think no. of. They're, you know, they're lucky to be in the playoffs. Exactly. The Oilers are the much better team. If you have not seen Connor McDavid play hockey, then you are yes, truly yes. missing out. He's pretty good. Drysidle's pretty good. And the Oilers are one of those teams you want to do well. So of course. the NHL can spotlight McDavid. Plenty of issues on the back end. On yeah. the back end and in goal. So after the matchup with the Blackhawks and after a possible matchup with the stars, they're going to have a lot of trouble with those top three teams. But uh, again, they do not have any issues with the Blackhawks. Agreed. If they play the stars, they'll get through uh, the predators coyotes. Again, the coyotes, another team lucky to be there. Uh, yeah. And, and man, they got the, off to a hot start. Yeah. Unlike the East where you look at some of the lower seeded teams with the exception of the Canadians at 12, you look at the 9, 10, 11 seeds, and you could say for all of them, yeah, they could make a little run. The Coyotes don't have it in them. Give me the Predators in an easy series here against the Coyotes. And then just to finish it out for me, again, you could see my lack of enthusiasm about the playing around in the West. West yeah. Just because the West was so weak this year. Well, I mean, they're teams. I go with the Jets. I go with the Jets over the flame. So for me, it's Jets, Oilers, Canucks. And Predators, and there's really not much I want to say about it. <laughs> well, the California teams in the West, the Ducks, Kings, and Sharks are normally really, really good, and this year they just are not. The top four in the West kind of separate themselves, mm-hmm. although I think one of them trip up and maybe yeah. somebody again makes... with the with the exception of the Stars, Oilers. Yeah, that's it. The Oilers in five at, in the fifth seed, and the Stars in the fourth. The Blues, Avalanche, and Golden Knights are far and away stronger than the Pack. So again, just because oh, we're yeah. picking things here, I'm going. Uh, officially, I'm going uh, Jets, Oilers, Canucks, and Predators. But with the exception of the Oilers, the other teams have no shot going up against the Blues, Avalanche, and Golden Knights. And I am with you on all four of those picks, which means that you should probably take the other side if you're listening <laughs> to this and want to bet because that's how that works. But yeah, I, I just, you know, I don't, yeah. I wouldn't overthink this one. No, you know, all. it's the, the and, better and again, teams. Once the brackets end up being set, we'll have another sort of pick episode for the NHL. Uh, But as far as those top three teams go, the Blues, Avalanche, and Golden Knights, my pick to come out of that crop this year is the Golden Knights. 
we mentioned it in the Joe Beninati episode. We'll mention it more going forward. But for me, the most complete team in the West, and I think we get the uh, the Tampa Bay Golden Knights Stanley Cup final that we were almost that we almost saw in in well, twenty eighteen. Luckily, we didn't. Luckily, we didn't. For luckily, your we didn't. So <laughs> we'll get the matchup we almost saw back then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hate to keep agreeing with you, but I really <laughs> like Vegas too. I mean. We're both. No, you're not gonna change my mind about the Lightning. I, I think they're gonna come yeah. out of the East. At, look, at least, at least out of all this, we disagreed on the Clippers against the Bucks. Right, because right. Because we we agree on the finals matchup and the winner for the NHL. At least we disagreed on the the West. I, you know, probably after seeing these teams play a couple series, I might change my mind. But as of today, July fifth, I also probably am leaning Vegas as well to come out. So, Joe, since we ha- are having a longer episode because of the NBA NHL preview, nowhere would you go, Joe, this week, especially because it's early July. Yeah, I was going to say that's for the better because there wasn't really much to choose exactly. from. Exactly. You know it's, it's all right. And, and you know what? We need a win in trivia. All right? We, we talked. We talked about how this is the second half of 2020. We're coming out of the locker room firing on all cylinders. All right? So I assume you have an NBA question as well. I do. I have an NBA question for you. I asked you the question first last time, so you ask it me. Ask it to me first this time. You got it. All right, Joe Malfa, as always, ninety seconds and three strikes. After I read you the question, all right. Who are the three franchises in the NBA with the longest title drought? Oh, PJ, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Is that your uh, question? That was my question too. So out of the timeout, we gave ourselves a little 30-minute break. That we was eventually going to happen. We knew that was going to happen at some point. Exact same question for each other. And I, I cut you off before you even read the question, but go ahead and read what the full question was. So it was going to be the three NBA franchises that have won at least one title that mm-hmm. have yet that have the longest drought yep. and the in, same one. in the NBA. And the same one. So we can't use that one. All right, so what's now your new we've, question then? We've found each other two questions, Joe. All right, this is, this is NBA still. The I switched question, to NHL now because that was, you know, that's the other theme of the episode. I switched to NHL. There you go. Yeah, I like it. So your question is, who is the only player in NBA history to record more than 200 blocks and 200 steals in the same season? Now, there are a lot of players in the NBA, so I'll tell you that this is a Hall of Famer who is a perennial all-star, you know his name. Um, And go ahead whenever you're ready. All right, I'm ready. 200 blocks, 200 steals, single season. Correct. Dennis Rodman. No. Ah, all right. I thought that was was stupid. No, that was. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Let's see. Dennis Rodman was my definite guess for that one. So we're talking Hall of Famer, 200 blocks, 200 steals in a season. Uh, The big block guys that come to mind. Dikembe Mutombo comes to mind. I don't know if he was a big steals guy, though. He was definitely a big blocks guy. I don't know if he was a big steals guy. Remaining. Um, LeBron definitely doesn't have that many blocks, but he's a big guy in terms of steals. Uh, let's, mm, 200 blocks in a season, 200 steals in a season. Uh, mm, let's see. How much time do I still have? Uh, you're at the 52nd mark, so 40 left. All right, 40 seconds left. I'm trying to think. Other big blocks guys who are big time Hall of Famers. Hakeem and Kareem. But the steals, the steals. All right. I didn't get Rodman. I I was sold on Rodman. The more I talk myself in circles around this, it's going to be tough because steals are tough. 
So I'm going to say Hakeem or Kareem as my other two guesses. Is one of them right? Hakeem Olajuwon is correct. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Finally, we're off the schneid here. That oh was almost Lundquist territory when I was saying it and then almost didn't say it. I'm glad oh, you said it, though. Well gosh. done with Hakeem. You, you know, are after, correct. After he had watching, the blocks. After watching The Last Dance, my mind immediately went to Rodman because that's all the dude did. Maybe he didn't have the blocks, I guess, but more of a rebound steals guy. But, you know, like I said, it just steals are tough because you, you, think, you think of the guys who get steals historically, and it's a lot of the times you go to guys who are traditional. Balls, you know, like yeah, point guards. Yeah. Point, yeah, point guards, really good on-ball defenders. But exactly. steals and blocks is tough because you think of the guys who get the blocks, you got some big lumbering seven-foot guys, heavier guys like a Shaq who might not be Steele's guy. So I just right. – I was like, you know what? I know Kareem and Hakeem are Hall of Famers, like you said, who got the blocks. So hopefully one of them had the steals, and there we go. We're two for seven now. So it's little, we well have done. the percentage. So you got All right. two. All right, so what's the new, new – I got lazy. I didn't really get too creative with my new question for you. <laughs> o- almost the same question that, you were, that we were going to both ask each other, but for the NHL. I took away the qualifier, though, like you had as far as had to have previously won one. So Ooh. of the 24 – of the 24 teams right. remaining who are in the playing round, at least. Yep. If you could give me three of the top five longest current title droughts, I'll give it to you. And your time begins, if you understand the question. I do. Your time begins now. All right. So right off the bat, I know it's not Vegas because they've been around for three. Exactly. Um, like, I know Arizona has a 1-1, but they're a newer team. Florida has a 1-1, but they're a newer team. Um, I'll go Minnesota Wild. Uh, the Minnesota Wild are not on this list. All right. Their drought is 18 seasons, and it puts them somewhere along 12th on the list. 30 seconds gone. All right, let's see here. Three of the top five. You got a good percent chance here because you yeah. talked through Flyers. Someone. Flyers. Uh, the, the Flyers are one of them. Correct. They have the third longest drought of forty-three seasons of the team. Okay, in it. that's one. Uh, Tampa. Got, uh, Tampa is not on that list. No. Ooh, I thought they were. Tampa sure. won in the two thousands. Oh, that's right. They did. Oh, four. Yeah. Um. So two strikes. Right, two strikes. Thirty seconds, and you need to give me two more. Um. Well, I don't know if they're around long enough. I don't know if I want to guess that. 15 one. seconds. Oh, okay. Winnipeg? Is it Winnipeg, Atlanta? Do they count? No, they are not on the list. No. Okay. Gosh, got them wrong. So who were the who were the? You got five seconds if you want to throw. Oh, wait, that was three strikes. Yeah, yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Forget the rules of our own game. So the one that I thought for sure you were going to get, because like I, I remember we've audibly made fun of them in the office at NBC Sports Washington was the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they're like a big time meme on Twitter. There's a you know there's a days since the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley yeah, Cup Twitter account. That one. Uh, they're that at bad. 51 seasons. Yeah, the Vancouver Canucks are at 48 seasons. They've never won it. Uh, they've come close. 94, 11. Uh, yep. They're at 48. The Flyers, who you got at 43. You, you talk, like we said about the Hakeem yeah. and previously the Lundquist thing where you mentioned one and you kick yourself for not getting it. You mentioned the Coyotes. They have been around long enough. 39 seasons. That fourth long. team on the list. Yes. Man. The fifth team, uh, the New York Islanders, ever since their four-peat in the 80s, wow. they have not won. So okay. those are the, Interesting. Those are the, the top five. Well, well done, Joe. You retook the lead at 2-1. Right. I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, good luck with your uh, move to Florida this I week. I appreciate that. By the Next time, time we, we release, do the pod, yeah. The by the time we release this episode, I should be somewhere down I-95 in the, in the deep south, getting down towards my, back towards my uh, new adoptive home for work in, in the Fort Lauderdale area. So Perfect. Uh, by the well, time good people, luck. By the time people listen to this, that's where I should be. And then <laughs> we get back to our normal uh, schedule of, and, and format when we come back right. on the other side of this. Beautiful. Thanks again to Chris Miller for joining us, spending some time and out of his busy schedule to talk some hoops, a little NHL talk as well. And, uh, yeah, like you said, we'll be back next week with the normal format segment, guest segment. Where would you go, Joe? Trivia. Until then, we'll see you next time. Sounds good.